What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us. Let's get right into it because we have to talk to see if Trey Turner is broken. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. I want to hold our guest in the background for a little bit just because I'm happy that he actually showed up this time. If people remember, he absolutely ghosted us last time. Kev, do you remember that? I remember that. I remember we had to talk baseball on our own for 30 minutes. I think we did a, we did okay. People's ears were bleeding yeah. like they're listening to Ruben Amar for 12 innings. We can talk surface level baseball. I, I can't tell you much more in depth beyond that. But yeah, we do need Anthony to help break down everything that um I, that was one of those games last night where I start, you know, like if I see stuff kind of unfold, I'll start writing notes in my phone mm-hmm. about like what to what to write about or what to focus on for the next day and i had like 10 bullet points in there because there was like well first of all why isn't kimbrell in in the uh, ninth uh why did he intentionally balk are they is he indeed tipping pitches um what is going on with trey turner yeah i had like a laundry how list many trey turner bullet points did you have this is this is this answer will mean if i'm going to be mad at you or happy with you for today's show how many trey turner bullet points i only had one really good it's like the same I mean, we can get into it after we bring Ann on, but it's the same, like, what have we said in the show all year? It's like he's having a Cassianos year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's got to have his Alec Bone moment. That's yeah. the thing. Let's yeah. let's talk to Ann about it. Let's welcome on the big fella. Let's bring him on. He's here. Oh, uh, look who decided to show his face. Anthony St. What's up, boys? How you doing? Doing good. Good. Good, good. Hey, first question I want to ask you. Yeah. If Rob Thompson pitches Craig Krimbor on the ninth, Trey Turner doesn't have a chance to blow it in the eleventh. True or false? Well, obviously not true because uh, Craig Kimbrell gave up two runs in the eleventh, right, or the tenth, rather. I mean, I can't blame it on Craig. Craig's used to just pitching in the ninth. I think they're what were they like thirty-eight and one or something like that. So, what you got to take into consideration, and and uh, Kev's asked me to well. I, we, we talked this morning and I, I got a little story coming about the whole Kimbrel situation um, that'll be up on Do you want to crossing broad in, in a little bit, it? but yeah, yeah. I, I just, so, so here's the thing you got to keep in mind. Craig Kimbrell's 35 years old now, right? I mean, going through, he just came off of pitching three and four or he would have been pitching three and four. And then mm-hmm. he's pitched 10 times in the last 17 days. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pitching for an older relief pitcher. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people say, oh, my God, you know, man up, get out there and just do it. Right. I mean, but it's it's not that easy uh, to just get up, you know, warm up and start throwing 98, 99 miles per hour, you know, and, and just come in there at that age. You need a little extra time. Now, the Phillies did not make it known in advance that Kimbrell was was, quote unquote, down for the game. Um, but they were trying to get through the game without having to use Kimbrell. And so that's why they weren't going to him in the ninth. Once Soto blows the game in the ninth, they don't really have a choice at that point but to try and win it in the tenth with Kimbrel. Now, Marsh hits the home run, puts you up by two runs, right? You should you think Kimbrel should probably get through that, but obviously he didn't have his best stuff. The, the Marlins were on him. And so there's a reason that the, the Phillies, you know, like any team, like you're going to make, you're going to question decisions. And sometimes you're going to sit there and go, huh, why did they do that? Why didn't they do that? I, I, I feel like the decision there was less egregious than maybe another one that no one is even talking about today. We can get into. Um, 
And that to me was um, when you have a situation like they did when they took the lead seven to five, why not shift Alec Bohm over to third base and just let Jake Cave come in and play first base because he can play first base, right? Mm -hmm. The reason I say this is you know that the Marlins still have Tanner Scott in the bullpen, okay? Tanner Scott is dominant against left-handed pitchers. You have a part of your lineup now where you have it towards the bottom where you have Marsh, Stubbs, knowing Real Muto wasn't going to bat because he can't grip the bat, um, a rookie and Rojas, and then back to the top of the order, Schwarber. You would be better suited. You would make them think about bringing Tanner Scott in, keeping Castro on the bench who kills lefties, right? That gives you, that makes the Marlins think twice about that. And so you could get through, look, I know that you're trying to win the game in that inning, but you, if you have the foresight to think, okay, if they tie it, what can we have available to us that would be better down the line? Keep Tanner Scott in the bullpen. Once Tanner Scott comes in in the 12th inning, you're, you know that the Phillies are done. There's no way I mean, he struck out. He struck out 73 left-handed hitters this year in like 40 some innings, so, whatever it is. So, like to me, that was where I don't. I think that they managed too much in the moment and not thought they didn't think two steps ahead. You know, you know, you're you're not confident that Kimbrel can come back out and give you a third game in four nights and and be effective. So we're playing with these, you know, Mickey Mouse new rules where everybody gets somebody on base and in to in the start the extra inning. So yeah. you, you know that there's a chance the Marlins are certainly getting one run. They're probably going to get the one run. And especially we'll get into the intentional balk. You know he's putting them to third base anyway, mm-hmm. right? So so that to me, you know you're giving up the one run. So if he if he happens to give up another run in that inning, you know you're going to have to bat again. So yes. why take away your one potential right-hander to hit off of the real tough lefty that they have in the bullpen and they put him in the game and you heard I heard Dombrowski on WIP this morning say oh man I was really hoping that in the 12th inning we got around to Castro so he could face Tanner Scott uh, but we fell one batter short well guess what you wouldn't have had to wait if you kept him on the bench and then you're, you're not worried about getting a run home with two left-handed batters against Tanner Scott that was the to me that was where the game was also lost as well so that that kind of brings, and we'll get into Trey Turner, and we'll get into everything, we'll get into the intentional book, but that kind of brings back the perspective that, like, Rob Thompson has made some interesting moves in the last couple of weeks, not replacing Schwarbs uh, defensively mm-hmm. during that game where Brandon Marsh would have got there. Some of his bullpen decisions, obviously you're talking about that decision right there. Pitching, not pitching Craig Kimbrell in the ninth because he's getting an off day, but pitching him in the tenth. What is well? Is I think. Like it's yeah, no. The no, I, and I and gets the Ricky Bow mentality, right? Well, well that's the difference the between the ninth and the tenth, right? I agree with him. Yeah. So, but the reasoning is, is that you're trying. Look, you have another guy out there who can close, and Soto. Soto's a closer. He was an all-star closer last year. So you're saying to yourself, okay, we can get through this with our uh, our second closer. And if we have to go to Kimbrel in the in the tenth, we will. Does it matter if the if the roles were reversed? What if Kimbrel comes in in the ninth and blows it, and you go to Soto in the tenth? And I think that the matchups were were a little bit better to say, okay, if we have to go to Kimbrel, we like him against that part of the lineup a little bit better than Soto against that part of the lineup. Um, so I think it made I think it made some sense. I don't have a real problem with making that decision. You're 
you're not going to need they're playing 17 days in a row you can't have craig kimbrell pitch every game it's the phillies fault that this game was close to begin with they were winning five to nothing so the other guys in the bullpen they have to do their job mm-hmm. um you, you were hoping to get through it so i i don't know i i just think that that's less of an issue to me that than than i think a lot of people are making it out to be what do you think of the intentional balk and what do you think about Craig Kimball potentially tipping pitches? Because I guess the hitting coach was with him last year, apparently. So, well, there's a few things, right? There's a few. There's the hitting coach who was who's familiar with him uh, from the Dodgers. Um, but it's not the necessary. It's not necessarily a tipping of pitches, and it's weird. Like I don't want to really kind of get into the the fine, you know, tuning of this. But it's it's more that they they could see the grip from second base. So when you okay. tip pitches, like you're, a batter can tell like the way that you're holding your arms or the way that you're, you know, something that you do in your, with your mechanics that will let you know whether it's a fastball or a breaking ball or whatever. It's not that he's tipping pitches. It's that they're stealing the grip from second base. They feel like they could do that against him. Maybe his gloves open a little bit more and they can see it a little bit more. So I have zero problem with the intentional balk That's cool. in a, in a game where it's, you have more than one run lead. What the hell is the difference? It's like, I mean, how many times is there in a baseball game? Does a guy, you see a guy steal a bag and nobody covers and they call it, they don't call it a stolen base. They call it defensive indifference, mm-hmm. right? It's because that run doesn't matter. And so to, to sit there and argue, oh, well, he shouldn't have done that because now the runner's at third and not at second. It's no big deal. Like if the, if you're going to blow the game, you need somebody that's batting to score. So if that, whether that runner's on second or on third is irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. If you knock one into the gap, that guy's scoring from. He's probably. It's Jazz Chisholm. He's scoring on a single. Like he's fast. Like it doesn't make a difference. So what you're doing is you're taking away their ability to see the grip on the ball just by letting them go to another another base. So I have zero problem with with that. Um, And the other thing that I thought, the other thing I thought was really interesting about this, I just want to point this out, is um, actually my, my son called me on this. They showed a quick clip in the game of Yuli Goriel on the bench, and he's talking to the uh, the runner who eventually got to second, which was uh, Jesus Sanchez, I believe is who it was. Um, and he's, he's and he's talking about how and they, you could see him showing where in the glove, like the hand grips, right? I mean, you could see Goriel talking to him about this. My son pointed out Yuli Goriel was part of the cheating Astros. He was. And I didn't even think about that. And so, like, mm-hmm. these are things that, you know, there you go. So that's something that's that's kind of there as little well. Details. Little, yeah, little, little details. It's funny because T-Mac on the broadcast was like, well, he's very good at noticing signs, talking about Guriel. Like, obviously, dude, he's yeah. part of the understatement of the century right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't have a – I have zero problem with the intentional book. I actually think it's kind of smart, to be honest with you. Oh, definitely. If so, if someone's if 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 anything like even you go you go into the mind of a pitcher like a closer, those guys are just weird dudes. If you if you if anything that takes your mind off of focusing on the batter, then yeah, the intentional balk works perfectly. And then you add in the whole tipping pitches and everything. Oh, uh, we got to talk about you know the elephant in the room, Trey Turner. I mean, OPS yeah. right now, thanks to Shokapati for getting this, ranks 132nd out of 144 qualifying players. He's got 14 errors. Tied for second most in the majors. Did they end up ever? Uh, I know you're. I know you're the uh, hit versus ever guy that I always go to on Twitter. Did they ever end up giving him that error last night, or uh, is that still recorded as a hit right now? It's a hit. That's unbelievable that it's a hit. It's that, but that's <laughs> bad bounce. Major league, yeah, come on, 
You got to get in front of him. Sliding to his knee. No reason to slide to his knee. That's Uh, the thing. And and you really, when you watch him play now, every ground ball to his backhand side is like, it's a 50-50 at this point. It's not quite reaching. It's like, he's like, he's not, it's just, I, I, I think it's funny when fans and media talk about fundamentals for like guys who are making $300 million, but what it yeah. is that's fundamental just keep if, if that ball stays in the infield then they probably win the game they know? probably win the game yeah. yeah now again it shouldn't have gotten to that point right which is why you know turner was saying it's i you know it's my fault we lost the game okay that's a little hyperbolic but um at the same time he's got to make he's got to get in front of the ball he can't let it get through him and why he's sliding to get a ball that's on your backhand and he booted a backhand earlier in the game. Which I don't think it would add him. I don't think so either. I was okay with that one being a hit. That's a tough play if he feels it. His momentum's carrying him away from the play. He's got to throw back across his body, right? So I'm okay with that one being a hit. But it, nevertheless, the ball is in his glove and doesn't stay in. It pops right back out. And a couple of his other errors have been on the backhand side. So like I wrote in a story this morning, I, I don't think it's quite the yips, but we're getting close to that with him because he's so in his own head about so many things right now. So what would you do? You know, everyone's, everyone has, you know, move him in the lineup. People are saying, Hey, move him well, down. Move, they did move I him mean, down again. He's hitting eight today. People um, are saying, move him down to Lehigh. People are saying, move him down to Reading. No, like, I'm no, kind no. of on the can. Like, I don't, I don't think you put you your can't $300 million dollar no. player in Lehigh, but I don't know. Are we, you know, things keep going South. Are we, I would get, uh, are we too far away from a calf strain that he's on the 10-day DL and just kind no, of his right? No, but I would put him on the bench for this weekend against Kansas City. Okay. Um, and two reasons for this. One, you know he's going to get murdered by the by the crowd at any anything that he doesn't do successfully. So he could come in a game. He could have two hits, but the two outs that he makes in the game, they're going to boo the shit out of him. Right. So that's automatically you don't want to put that kind of put him under that kind of immediate pressure right away from the hometown crowd. So I can that. make the argument. I can make that argument. Yeah. But, and then secondly, secondly, you can probably get away with not having him in your lineup and, and play one of the guys on the bench, whether it's Sosa or whatever, against the Royals because the Royals stink. Now, the argument back against that is, well, maybe this is the team. That, you know, they have terrible pitching. Maybe this is the team where he can get some confidence back and, you know, start hitting the ball again and and kind of vault him forward. They've played a number of bad teams this year already, and it hasn't done that, right? So just step away, man. Like, like you hear the story about him going into the batting cage immediately after the game last night, and then yeah. he comes out of the cage to do the interview with the media and then goes right back to the cage again. It's too. It's, sometimes it's it's paralysis by analysis, right? I mean, he's he's literally doing too much. Like to me, this is a situation where you say, take a couple of days off, pal. Just st- so just Trey don't Turner even works worry too it. hard. There's no de- look. Look, uh, there are people who are out there on social media, and it blows me away that they sit there and think that this guy doesn't care. To think that this guy is kind of just sitting on his wallet, right? The three hundred million dollars and all that stuff, and that you know he's a he's a bum, he's a loser. It's none of that. Mm-hmm. I can tell you with one hundred percent certainty that Turner is a guy who cares. He's he's a, he obsesses over this, right? And and a lot of professional athletes are obsessive. We know this. This is not a surprise. But it's he's never had this kind of 
downturn in a season for this length of time and he doesn't hasn't been able to figure out how to get out of it so he's he's putting himself through the ringer and i would i would almost and look i'm not a sports psychologist but i would also say i would say you know what pump the brakes guys take a take a minute just you're gonna we're gonna give you three days off just sit out you know if we need you to pinch run we need you to pinch hit or something fine but mm-hmm. just don't even worry about it take the three days off don't even take bp like just just be here all right just come in sit down and we'll get you back out there you know monday like that's what i would do and, and i heard dombrowski again just i don't want to keep bogarting everything here but i mean dombrowski was on wip this morning and they were asked they asked him they said what what can you do with him you know, and he was you know he gave the basic answer saying well you know you support him and you just try and you know figure out a way and work with him and Kay long's working with him all that stuff but he did say, you know, we have to decide, you know, is it, do we give him a couple days off or more than a couple days off? Like, like when he says that publicly, you have to think they're thinking about the same thing. So why not do it now against a team that is so bad that you could the three of us can go be out there on the field and beat them? Does does that work, though? Like uh, like giving him a couple days off. Will that work? I feel like everybody's differently wired differently. Like Kev, Kev just took a week off. Kev, do you feel like you came back better on Tuesday? You feel like you had one of your podcasts for the ages on Tuesday after a week off? Like, I feel like it? I had a great Monday and then I got really tired on Tuesday. <laughs> so, so I, was re- I was refreshed for a full day. I mean, to answer your question, it may not work, but it might. Right? You know, so you, you, but you know, guys are answering inadvertently kind of burying the lead here. Is that there is no like there's one no size sh- fits all approach? Yeah. No, no, there's not different people. Yeah, I mean that's the answer, and I know you can't really talk about that. How do you debate that? You don't. But I would make the argument that I think the fans booing the shit out of him could be helpful. I, I mean, I, 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 I could see both sides. I just keep coming back to the Alec Bohm thing. I know the situations are a little different. I'm not. You would have to have Trey Turner come out and say, "I fucking hate this place," <laughs> right. in order to be the catalyst for that. But if you, assume I don't think that, we're like, too far away from that, Kev. <laughs> but I mean, look at what Bohm has been since then. You know, I guess I guess the parallel here or the common thread is you got to hit the rock bottom in order to to make it come back up. And like we inevitably we get to the argument of like booing. And I threw something up on Twitter last night that I thought was totally innocuous. I just wrote fill in the blanks, Trey Turner blank. Yeah. You know, I'd say something positive, negative. You could say Trey Turner needs our help and our support. You can say Trey Turner sucks donkey dick. You know, you could say that too. But, you know, some people responded to it and they were like, well, we don't need this from you guys right now. He need, you know, we got to get behind him. We've been behind him for 108 games. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's the beginning of the season. Like, and like you uh, criticizing a guy who's making 27 million is certainly not unjustified. So I look at like, again, the Alec Bohm thing, look at what he has turned into after his moment. Uh, ben Simmons, probably not the best example, but if you go back to the Nets playoff series, they booed the team. He said, stay on that side. And then he came out and dropped like a triple-double in game two. Uh, Tobias Harris said, don't clap. And then he played played like a $15 million player for the rest of the year, not a $37 million player. But you get you get, you get what I'm saying? It's almost like yeah. I can make that devil's advocate argument because you have to be able to bounce back from something. Like it's got to hit, what's the term, critical mass, right? Yeah. Well, I, don't I don't even know if we've reached critical mass with Trey Turner, to be quite honest. You know? And and you might and you might be right, but let's let's remember that this was this isn't the first time that we're talking about him being booed in the in the ballpark. Sure. I mean, there was a time earlier this year where he was booed, and he said his mom booed him. His mom mm-hmm. called. Was that the him. one where he swung at like the ball that bounced like yeah. five yeah, yeah. feet before? Yeah, okay, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So 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 I mean, 
he has had that situation where it's been brought to his attention that the fans were not happy and were booing him and it still hasn't resulted in anything right yeah, I, yeah. I i think this is a situation again outsider perspective i just think it's one of those times where you just need to step away sometimes you just need to you know you, you're so busy and you're so tired and you're so you know trying to get everything done and can't squeeze it all into you know 36 hours of work and into 24 hours like it can't you can't get it done so but just it, take take a breather step away i, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world but it, he's 30 years old. He's done nine years of this stuff. He's been one of the most consistent people of all time. Like, I just can't see a couple of days off just being like, well, here comes Trey Turner. Now he's hitting 270. Here's what, all right, let, let me say this. You're 30 years old, Pagan. Let me oh, say yeah. this to you, okay? Let's imagine all of a sudden tomorrow you went to go do one of your man on the streets and you all didn't right. know what the hell to say to the people. You didn't know how to respond. Every every answer that you – every retort that you gave was terrible, was stupid. How dare you? It wasn't funny. Right. Let's imagine. Seriously, how dare you wishes right. on me? And I'm not wishing this. On, I'm not wishing it on you. But what I'm saying is, let's just imagine that was the case. What would you do? Would you sit there and say, "Yeah, I just need to step away," or would you like, like, would you go nuts and try and figure it out? You know, or you're, you're oh, video- absolutely nuts. Right. I, well, I, I, it, would, it would. I would lose sleep. It's what's it's happening so to Trey Turner. It's, it's so what so happened. It's what's happening to him. So yeah, but can we can we not just say what is the uh, the philosophy the uh, Occam's razor right? Can we not just go to the simplest explanation here? Yeah, uh, he's having the Nick Castellanos here. I, I don't and, buy this. I don't buy this, and I'll tell you why. He's moved before. He was traded yeah. from San Diego to Washington and was very good. He went from Washington to L.A. and was very good. Yes, Philadelphia is a different market. There's three more. And Dombrowski said this this morning, too. He said he learned when he was first breaking into the game that there are three markets that are different than everywhere else in baseball. It's Boston, New York and Philadelphia. Yeah. And and he said that, you know, there were times in his past where when especially when he was in Boston, where he decided not to sign a guy or not to trade for a guy because he didn't think he would do well in Boston. He felt like it would not be a good fit for that market. He said that they did their dirty work, and uh, you know they, you know, looked looked it looked it all up, and they decided Trey Turner can succeed in this market. Um, yeah. So if look, you buy, you got to kind of go with that. Is it a bad year? Is it a Nick Castellanos year? It could well be that, but I don't think it's for the same reasons. I don't think it was because Castellanos was having a hard time adjusting here last year. And now he's comfortable. I don't yeah. think Turner's having a hard time adjusting. He moved, he moved into Ben Simmons' cursed house. And was, <laughs> yeah, that was last year. He did. He, um, Trey Turner, breaking news, just turned a double play to end the inning. We'll just let you know. Phillies yeah. are on right now. Uh, we appreciate everybody in here watching us while over the Phillies or maybe along with the Phillies. But I also this think it's like, great about baseball, though, because by the time we diagnose everything with Trey Turner, he'll be like three for four yeah. next game. And you know. <laughs> And that's and that's. But, but you know, you know what else? I'll give you another little bit of it, just showing your inexperience there, Kyle. What you just did, what you just did, is you you should never do in broadcasting. Why? Because I told people to go watch the Phillies game and remind them. So go, go watch it somewhere else while you're doing something live. You can remind them at the end. Oh, by the way, go check out the Phils. They're on right now. <laughs> 
I think our I audience is loyal. I think our audience yeah. is loyal enough that Pagan. I, I, I think Anthony good. doesn't understand the two screens. You know, you can operate nowadays without. You know, you can watch your boys. <laughs> yeah, Anthony you thinks you can only you. watch one one thing yeah. at one time. No, yeah. you Tom can watch two things over here. At once. You can watch two things at once. Okay, but I mean, you, know, you want to listen to the broadcast, right? Yeah. Do you? Are you? Well, if you're going Fransky in L.A. or Fransky in Stocker, I understand. But I think people are really out on Rube right now. So I think we're actually doing really well. We're like, hey, we're going to keep this one on mute. We're going to keep this one you on mute. We're going to listen, we're gonna listen you know to the You know what's weird? You know what's weird? I don't oh, hate here Rube. Here comes the defense. Here comes the I know. Defense. It's not a defense. I don't hate Rube. I think Rube I don't has. Either. I think Ruben has a very Chris Wheeler feel for the older fans where it's he comes across as someone who knows the game and wants you to know he knows the game. I just don't think he has anything in. I really don't. For a guy who's been everywhere around the the organization, for a guy who's been, you know, went to Stanford, for a guy who's been around the game since he was born, I just really do not know what he adds to the thing. It's just it's so much different between listening to Fransky and and LA and Stocker. Like I was I was I was coming home during the game last night. I learned so much in the hour yeah. that I listened to him. I learned no, so much about what's going on. I think Ruben does and I think most people miss it because they just kind of it, it's it does end up being I think over the the fans head sometimes. I think he talks and I I don't want it to to sound elitist, but he I think he talks in a way that are things that fans don't look at and fans don't look for. And so therefore, when he starts mentioning these things, people are tuning them out. Um, I, I, I don't mention things that I, I know, which is not good because I'm not like a seam head like you are. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I just get I just think I don't think he's I don't think I like listening to Ruben. I know I'm in the minority and I get it. I understand why. But I think it's the same reason people didn't like Chris Wheeler for all those years. Hmm. Maybe you just maybe people just have heightened expectations or unrealistic expectations because he was like a GM here and I don't or I don't know what they're ex- well, I don't I, know I what think, they're expected. I know? think shout out to Phillies fans because I don't know a lot of failed GMs that would l- allow their guys to come back on a broadcast in Philadelphia. Like I can't see Billy King coming back and calling games with uh, with Allah and Kate Scott and Kate Scott. <laughs> like I don't think that would fly here. I know he was on WIP yeah. for a little bit, but like I don't see him and, and, and Tony DeLeo coming back here anytime soon. No, I or, agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Nah, like, look, I mean, like Jonesy was doing fart jokes all those years with Angelo and then takes a flyer's job in the front office, but nobody mm-hmm. disputed his hockey knowledge at the time. You know, he was doing Angelo, maybe the better example, he was doing Angelo while he was doing national hockey broadcasts. Yeah. You know, so and two completely different audiences, right? Maybe we and just frame cool. these job descriptions in a, in a way that's ineffectual. And what do you think about the uh, the trade deadline? I, for some reason, I love this Lorenzen guy. Everything that I've seen about him, he's the workout god. Like he could play the outfield, he can also pitch. It's uh, it's a really interesting move, and I think for some odd reason, he's going to become a fan favorite. Like I could definitely see him doing something in the playoffs that people are like, well, I, yeah, I, I think that I think that his addition is a smart addition because it it's it provides pitching flexibility. Come you know, down the stretch here and then even in the playoffs as well. Um, you're looking at a guy who can start, who can relieve. And when you say he can relieve, he can relieve bulk innings. He can pitch in a high leverage inning later in a game. Um, in a lot of ways, the reason Ranger Suarez became such a cult hero last year, um, I, I feel like Lorenzen has that ability to do the same thing where he you don't know when you're he's going to be deployed. 
but he's going to come in and he's going to get a job, get the job done in any role that he's in. Um, not to mention he's, you know, everybody that I've talked to says that he's a, uh, just a, a, a great teammate. He'll fit the, this clubhouse culture really, really well. Um, and, uh, and he's a freak athlete too. I mean, I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna think about it, but I would think about using him. And so, like he, they asked him about it on the in the interview um, on the broadcast, and they said, you know, have you talked to them? Said you might want to, you know, swing the bat a little bit. And he said, I, I'd love to. I want to get back to doing that. So and the guy does have seven career home runs as a pitcher, and OPS over seven hundred. You know, he he's he wants to, I think three homers in a week, if I remember correctly, for the Reds. I think one of them was off the Phillies, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, a guy was last name Baker. No, it was uh, not Baker. Blake uh, Parker. Blake. Blake Parker. Blake Parker. Yeah, it's all, right. it's all good. It's, yeah, malaprop. It's all right. What do you think about the six-man rotation? Do you think like guys like Wheels, guys like Nola would like to have like six days, seven days between starts? I feel like that's a little weird. I, I think that they're okay with it on a temporary basis because there's no off days here. So I think that they're they're fine with it in the interim. But I think once once you're you're into September, that thing needs to be you, those guys need to be every fifth day. Real Mudo home run. Don't leave though. Don't leave, please. Nobody's leaving. We still got it. We still got the number holding up. There. Yeah, that's good. Real Mudo. You know, when they signed run, when they signed Lorenzen, when they signed Lorenzen, I was thinking of the quarterback for Kentucky from back in the day. You remember him, Jared? Yeah, he died a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. Jared Lorenzen. He was massive. He played yeah. uh he played, he played, he played with the like Giants the, too, I think. The New York Giants had him. Yeah. What do you think he about the, like uh, the indoor? He played an indoor too, like arena football or something. He was yeah. massive. It was great because he didn't have to move. He just kinda there he is. Yeah. Yeah, he played for like the River Monsters or something. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ended up weighing a lot of yeah. Yeah, Amy Fadul was a big uh Jared Lorenzen fan because I guess he was a UK uh, the UK connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Big boy. Rest in peace. Yeah. Would yeah. you think uh do a little do a little skinny on the uh, Rodolfo signing? Um Yeah, I mean, look, he's 24 years old. Um so he's under team control through 2028 the 2028 season. So, you know, you can work with him and get him going. He's already a major league hitter against lefties. He has got a 900 OPS in three seasons with the Pirates against left-handed pitching with some power. I mean, I think he's got in 200 and some at-bats, I think he's got 14 home runs. So if you put that out over the course of a full season, right, that would be like somewhere in the neighborhood of 36 home runs, right? So he could hit – he can hit lefties. Cannot hit righties worth a damn. Um, he's been a switch he's hitter. Like yeah, he's been a switch hitter, though. I mean, that's the difference. He's, he's that – he doesn't swing the bat well from the left side. I wouldn't be surprised if ultimately they only make him a right-handed hitter and see, can he hit righties from the right side? And if he can, there's a thought that, you know, he's got the ability to be a more regular player, maybe in a better version of Edmundo Sosa, except that he doesn't really play. Short. I mean, he can play shortstop, but he's better at second and third than he is at short. Um, I think it's, it was, you know, Bailey Falter was never coming back to the Phillies um, after the, the, starting the season that he had well he also had some like i think he pissed off some people in the organization as well with some of the stuff that he was saying and yeah i I don't think or privately privately yeah Mm. privately yeah well i mean some of the things like uh, he was a guy that didn't really take a lot of personal responsibility for losing those games he was Mm. one of those guys who was just you know lamenting the fact that the team wouldn't hit for him 
um, those kinds of things. I think that, you know, the, anyway, I didn't, Bailey Falter wasn't coming back up to the Phillies. So you were getting rid of a player that you had no use for in the future. And you brought in a guy who's, you know, a little bit of a flyer, but can help you in the short term, certainly against left-handed pitching. And if you can get him right against right-handed pitching, then maybe you have something there. And and going back to the how how you Lee signing, you uh, when you were talking offline about this, but like they just drafted a shortstop, right? Shortstop was it? They did draft. They just drafted a shortstop, Aiden Hill, um, yeah. and then Turner signed for ten years, yeah. ten more years, and and Stott is. I mean, he's going to be your everyday second baseman for a long time. Where was Lee going to fit in? Yeah, I know he's only twenty, and they liked him a lot, but he played second base and shortstop and you had no room for for him in a second base and shortstop in the future so just like they traded logan ohapi last year because he was blocked by real muto to get marsh they they traded lee to get um to get lorenzen because they weren't going to be able to get him to play in the major league level were you happy with the deadline i know a lot of people were like looking for that right-handed power bat i know a lot of people may may been looking for something for the bullpen no. and whatnot no it's interesting like i had written a, a story of right before like last week i think it was right before the deadline where my suggestion was don't worry about going and getting power worry about figuring out how to make this team better defensively mm-hmm. and so my suggestion was actually to trade for a, a defensive right hand a right-handed hitting outfielder who's a defensive outfielder um but the looks like what they decided to do instead is to rely on uh pache coming back and Rojas believing in Rojas and feeling like they can keep both those guys on the roster at the same time um, and, and have that kind of carry through. And I agree with it. Like I, you didn't look the guy, the one guy I think that probably a lot of people thought would, would make sense was Teoscar Hernandez from Seattle. Um, Cause he's a power guy, uh, but leads the majors in strikeouts and the Phillies already strike out enough. Mm-hmm. So like, that was the one reason why I, I said, no, not to go in that direction. I'd rather you, have a guy maybe who's not a power guy, but will save you runs in the field. I, I got to ask you about Rojas because it's something that I've just like picked up on watching him in, in center field. He's yeah. very blase, very casual about how he catches the ball. It, does it drive you nuts? I know it's got to drive some WIP dads nuts. Like it's no. going to drive them up a wall. It, it doesn't drive me nuts because you know what it is, is he's so good at reading the ball off the bat mm-hmm. that he gets to the spot he needs to get to easy. That catch so he made last night right in front of the wall, like made that look easy. Made it look simple. Made it look simple. And that's what that's what I'm saying. So like I'm I, like if he was if he was casual to the sense where he was just like ho humming it out there and like catching the ball like bread basket yeah. or something along those lines, yeah, then I'd probably be a little bit more annoyed if he was a little flashy like that. Yeah. But but drifting to a spot because he knows how to get there quick and, and just reads it really well, I have zero problem with that. It's good to see some growth in you, Ant. Love it. Kev, you got anything? I can move on from Phillies if you want to. No, I'm sorry if I'm distracted. I I, I think I stumbled into the Bob Kelly details. Um, <laughs> I, 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 We're I'm, talking Phils and, and Kev's doing forensic investigating behind the scenes. No, this is, is this what Schefter does? Like when he's on like the set and he's not talking, he's just like answering text messages from his phone. I, I have the Bob Kelly beat. Yeah, apparently the guy – I'll save this for the story, but apparently the guy who um, – who is alleged to have struck Bob Kelly um, has like a rap sheet, um, not an Ian Rappaport rap sheet, but like a rap sheet of prior offenses here. Um, nah, so it looks, it looks like he, criminal. Yeah. It looks like he's got a court date coming up in uh, 
I'm actually in Sea Isle right now. I should just walk three blocks to the police department and see if they'll give me anything. Um, <laughs> we'll, get a ca- yeah, we'll get a camera on you. Do investigative <laughs> journalism like yeah, fucking we go there. Yeah, I haven't done this in so long. I'm like a fish out of water when I do anything that actually actually matters. You know, like trash cans right now, just trying to find police reports or uh, I'm going to walk in there with, with your house. I'm going to walk in there with flip flops. I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, this is Kevin from crossing broad. And they're going to say, what are you, who, from what? Like, I oh, have a freedom of information act right here. And I deserve all the information on Bob Kelly versus the CIO. Yeah. Well, sitting- if I FOIA did, I would be sitting here for six months waiting for something back. Right. Anthony, they would, they would, you would, you would get the, you would never get the yeah. FOI back, you know, no, so. you, you wouldn't. Although I, they make you pay 200. I, I, true story. I did that. There was a union player back in the day who got like pulled over and uh that what i heard from sources with that he got a dwb driving while black and so i went and tried to find find the court you know um the police report in the court um records and all that stuff and they gave me the whole you can buy the whole transcription of the court case but you got to pay for it yep so i had to pay like 200 dollars to get the whole like 200 page uh court record transcription from the stenographer or whatever yeah, so. and free, the, the Freedom of Information Act is not as freedom as people might think because it takes <laughs> it takes there's so much red, uh, red tape you got to cut no. through. Just no, the people get, the people at the courts and the police districts are not exactly like hang on right there. I'm going to go get you what you need. Yeah, no, you know? no. So like you, they have like you file you file a, a, a FOIA request. They have I forget what the timeline is, but I think it's something like 21 days before they even have to Respond. answer you. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then once that happens, then they have like something like six weeks before yeah. they have to send you anything. Send you anything. And then you got to sometimes you have to pay for it, yeah. which is why I work on a sports blog because I can just throw some shit on the site and press publish. And I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about anybody. Yeah, it's it's, it's long. It's a can long we process. FOIA things like like can I FOIA uh, Joe Banner? Be like, hey, tell me. Did Donovan McNabb throw up in the Super Bowl or not? I want to know right now. <laughs> no. Like, does he have to wait 21 days? To no, the he's, not a, he's, not a public public record. he's not a government agency. So yeah, that's, got, that's for only for public records only. You'd have to know, shake would, him down the old-fashioned way. Yeah. I would Freedom of Information Act everything for the Sixers for Andrew Bynum. I want to know all the little nuances, all the little <laughs> details, where he was salsa dancing, where he was bowling, where he was all over the place. I want to know everything about the Andrew Bynum. I feel like that, yeah. that year, two years, just – nowadays just would have been an amazing amazing subplot you just set the topic you set the topic for sports talk radio this afternoon what eagles information would you foia if you could yeah i know they've talked about it but i feel like there's still something we need we need to know better than i would i would rather do the foia topic than listen to herb from the northeast talk about 18 year olds or whatever was going on there (laughs) yesterday and john Bolaris accusing him of being a a a, uh, a perv pervy or whatever you know. Um, what hey, hang on. we were we we were talking about uh, Kelly Green the other day. Do you give give a do you have a perspective on Kelly Green? I, I like the Kelly Green a lot better than the oh. Green. Who is this aunt? Who is he? Who is this aunt? He loves what? Rojas being blasé out there. He loves them bringing back the loser error of Kelly Green. This is the wait aunt a, wait a, a second wait a second wait a second wait a second. It was not a loser era. You got to remember, Kelly Green was the original color. 
right, of this yes. team way back in my father's but, generation. But and it I was also the color the of the team that the went. Okay, I got it. But it was also the color that they wore with Vermeil and, and those teams as well. I mean, yeah, it changed. It changed a little bit, like the design. Um, but the Kelly green has been, it's been, a, that's the Eagles color. The whole midnight green was Jeff Lurie's ex-wife who changed it to midnight green. And that's what she wanted because she was a designer of some sort, right? Like she fashioned herself that way. Um, uh, Christina Lurie, right? Is that who that was? Yeah, the ex-wife, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I never liked the switch to the midnight, to the midnight green, nor did I like the black. All black jerseys. Oh, I, like black? Black. I like the black for no, a little bit. No, I, I like think the... Kelly Green's good. Do, do you think they go back to Kelly Green full time? They should. That's in the works. I think that's in the works. They should. And they would have a good storyline for it because they could just be like, hey, listen, we won the Super Bowl in Midnight Green. Let's retire the Midnight Green. It's a it's a color we'll always remember. The successful years of Donovan McNabb to Michael Vick to then Carson Wentz the, and Nick Foles. The, the one thing, though, I will say is when you look about, when you look at, like, for example, what the Phillies did with the with the powder blues mm -hmm. they brought they brought them back and everybody loves the powder blues but they're also not used all the time they're sure. used thursday home games mm -hmm. right the powder blues should be so much more i, I, than they, I, yeah. I, I agree so? but i does also anybody give a, does anybody give a shit about the road grays well, uh, but I don't like the they're wearing the reds right now i i specifically don't like the reds well, i love the reds, the, the reds the reds are going away they think that's what the one that's going to go away because the Nike is making them take one away. Yeah, because they have to do the City Connects next mm -hmm. year. Um, Ugh, so uh, no, no. So, but but I do think that there is some some value in the thought of having it as a alternate and using it here and there, but not having it be the everyday uniform because I think people get tired of the everyday uniforms. I just find it funny how you know the NFL had that one helmet rule for so long when you were watching I mean Oregon's not the greatest example. Oregon had a different uniform combination for every game yeah. of like five five years straight. But even in West Virginia, I mean we had like yellow helmets and then we had gray helmets, then we had like white helmets, and we had like a million different combinations. Like why can't why does it have to be restrictive at all? Why can't the Eagles have multiple sets of Whatever. I, I don't think that the I think that the NFL looks at what the NBA did, for example, and thought that it got it went too far. I think that they looked at the you know NBA and said, yeah, some of that's good, but then you had you know uh, how many different jerseys did they have yeah. at once in the NBA? It was just out out of control. I would was, rather have that though, honestly, than like doing these one off like 1950s throwbacks that like the the Packers were wearing that looked terrible or like the Steelers. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that too. I, I think I but I think both approaches are bad. Like for example, like you know the the, the those uniforms that the Sixers would trot out, it's a different one every year. Right. It's not like the same city connect Jersey every year. Yeah. And so you're just like at, at some point, what, what, what are you, you're costing yourself. I think, I think you're competing against yourself in a lot of ways. It just waters it down. It makes it so it doesn't mean anything. I'm going to go to Pagan's favorite sport again of soccer. Yeah. And like Manchester United comes out with a new friggin' kit every year. So then yeah. they don't, they don't, they don't mean anything. It doesn't Correct. mean anything because there's a hundred of them floating around there and you 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 lose sight of what the like typical motif is Correct. like you know you know manchester united for red you know you know yeah. chelsea for blue why is chelsea wearing yellow 
or, or that, like, what, that's, what the hell is this? Yeah. This Tottenham kit, which I actually do kind of <laughs> like, but it just looks like a a, a Pollock painting. Uh, what's that? That, that not a Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Pollock. Samuel Pollock. No, Pollock. Pollock. A Pollock is a Was is a Polak? derogatory term for a Polish person. That's not. I've got Polish friends in that we call them Pollocks all the time. That's Jackson Pollock, the famous artist. But yeah, I mean, you go from that. You go from the the Pollock painting, and then you got uh, this Tottenham jersey and stuff. It's like it's you're you're not wrong about the uh, Kyle Pagan's going the way of the Oakland A's announcer at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson Pollock. I think he worked in Port Richmond back in the day. That, thank, that, thanks, yeah. Craig. Thank you, Craig. Yes, Jackson <laughs> Pollock. Pollock. Oh, man. Hey, what do you think about the Mets fire sale? Uh, How funny was it, it, man? It's the best thing ever. It's the best crazy. thing ever. 101 win team the year before, and they're selling at the deadline. I don't think anyone could have seen I, this. No, I don't, I don't think I saw it coming that they were going to do this. Yeah. This, but it, it, which is absolutely hysterical. What do you think um, about Max Scherzer just spilling the beans? I love it. Pro- love it. Uh, Max Scherzer, I'm I'm a fan. When you <laughs> when you're that honest about it, and you can tear a team down like that and expose the, just how poorly they are run. Yeah. By all means, pal, go go nuts. You got a supporter here. I but I will say, and if you go back and and listen to. I would say go back and listen to the end of March episode of Crossed Up that I did with Bob, and we talked about our predictions for the season, right? I said to him then, Mets are no good. They're not a good team. I, I don't know. I don't care how much money they spent. If they make the playoffs, they're sneaking in as the sixth seed, but I think that they're probably just on the outside. I, I, I I didn't see I don't I didn't think they were going to be that good this year anyway. I think do you think it was internally like you didn't like the the players that they put around everybody? Do you think it was more like they just didn't have the hitters or they just had the pitchers? What like what 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 did you think? Well, about? first of all, they had no bull they had no bullpen, and then of That's course true. Edwin Diaz got hurt jumping around at the World Baseball Classic, and that really destroyed the bullpen. Um, but I felt that even more even if he didn't get hurt, um, you were putting a, together a baseball team full of thirty plus guys. And expecting it to work mm-hmm. in my mind, I, as far as I can remember, that only happened once where it was successful. And that was the 1983 Phillies, as a matter of fact, with the Wheeze kids. Right. They were all called because they were all old guys. Every time you have a team that's mostly older players. You're going to have injuries and guys are going to get not to be able to get. And when you're when you have a three hundred and whatever million dollar payroll and you have injuries, well, who's coming in? That's. You don't have depth because you can't. You're not paying for depth. That sucks though, too, because Verlander goes right back to the Astros, and we just had that whole thing with Tony D. Mm-hmm. It's just so ridiculous how uh, I don't he can go back for less money than they would have signed him in in, in free agency. It's no, I, I don't care. I don't think I, I don't, Houston Houston is is peaking a little bit at the right time here, but I'm not convinced that that's a team that's going to the World Series in the American League. I'm sticking right. with Texas. Texas was Who's my you guys, Texas. That's that's why if I think you asked me this and I said I'll get back to you after the trade deadline, I, I think Texas is is going to be the team that comes out of the American League. I like Baltimore a lot too, but I just don't. I think they're too young. I think that they're eventually going to be in the next year or two. They're going to be like the the juggernaut in the American mm-hmm. League. Um, Toronto was my preseason prediction, but they're I don't know. There's just something not right with the Blue Jays. That does, I don't get it why they're not why they're not better than they are. Um, so I'm I'm switching over to Texas in the American League. 
Got a got any thoughts on Eagles training camp so far? I know you're I know you're uh, knee deep in baseball. I don't know the, how much you've the, been able to the look Eagle, at. The Eagles are in training camp. <laughs> well, you, are you off Twitter during the morning, dude? I refuse to follow <laughs> NFL training camp information. I don't care. Like if they if somebody gets hurt, yeah, I want to know about it, yeah. right? I don't care about players holding out. I don't care about player statistics, how they look in practice. It's BS stuff to talk about. It doesn't frigging matter until week one of the NFL season. So have you muted everyone? Have you unfollowed all the beats and you'll follow them back in September? You just don't even go on Twitter. I just don't even pay attention. I don't pay attention. I really, first of all, I don't really follow a lot of football guys. I follow a few. Right. But I mean, but I don't, I don't. Maybe that's why you thought the San Francisco 49ers are going to beat the Eagles last year. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to, you're going to, you're going to complain about uh, that's my other favorite thing this year is that, um, yeah, we talked about all the 49er fans whining, all the 49ers whining all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're still putting up posts in <laughs> July uh, about the, the uh, Peter, King, P- Peter King saying that the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl in a different field. And it's, and all, the, it's all the sod father's fault. Put him in jail. Stop. Put them in jail. And 50 Stop. years from now. Two, te- two teams had to play on that field. Stop. 50 years from now, I'm going to be talking. About the 2023 Super Bowl, I'm that's still great. Talking about even when even when Jalen Hurts has six Super Bowls to his name, as long as you don't I'm mind, still, no, no, as long I'm as you don't mind being, as long as you don't mind being a hypocrite, that's totally that's fine. fine. And you know what? Guess what? When you can't talk about the 2023 Super Bowl without talking about the field, and that shouldn't have happened, and that should never have happened. And, and I agree that it, I, I agree that it should never have happened, but it's not like it's not like only one team was playing on that surface and the other team was playing on a better surface. Yeah, but you're also talking about the offensive line of the chiefs who weren't that great versus one of the best defensive lines of NFL history. Well, oh, I, I, again, I, 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 I told you back then too, when we, when you had me on, I, I also said when you were trying to say that this was the best Eagles team of all time, I told you to pump the brakes on that a little bit too, that you're, you know, it's a, again, hyperbolic. It was a very good Eagles team. Uh, could have won the Super Bowl, obviously. Neutral field, neutral, right. Neutral field, but I, I, I thought that I, the home of 15 you know, started. We were talking about the, one of the best defense. They were, that's not the best defensive line in this team's history, let alone in the, said one of them. It's like, OK, fine. But it, it, one of them. What is one of one of what? Seven, five. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe five. The record, maybe the record's there. Exact record's there forever for theirs forever. Hold it for I'm just telling you, you can't. You, you can't talk the about the There's more, pl- uh, there's more plays. There's uh, more plays in today's. There's more plays in today's game and more passing in today's game. Therefore, there's going to be more sacks in today's game. It, that 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 pass rush is not nearly as good as the the Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons. One of the best. Yeah, not, yeah, but it's not even close to that one. And then I would even argue that what you had in 1980 was was a significantly better defensive line so i don't know anyway it was a good one how many, how many of those guys are running four five forties four four forties at 200 the, the game is different compare it to what was going on in the moment in that game at that time there was no other like for for example of course the purple people eaters and the steel curtain those got those defenses wouldn't work in today's game but today's today's defenses wouldn't work in the way the game was played back then 
because it was all it was all running right it was it was a power running thing you would you would blow 250 pound guys off the line of scrimmage in a heartbeat you're not going to play cover cover two against uh power uh, power eye formation yeah it's just different it's just a different game right so you got you you got no you got a middle you got to consider the the era and say okay how good were they in their era in comparison to other teams in that era and then realize that those those defensive lines were dominant in the era against compared to the other 27 teams in the league and the eagles while it was really good i wouldn't say it was dominant because there were other teams who had really good defenses in the nfl this year it wasn't it didn't stand out above other defensive lines this year this past and shohei otani the goat of all time no Best time. player in baseball right now. Better than Babe Ruth? He's not better than Babe Ruth? Again, you're you're asking me to compare uh, compare somebody who played at an era where there was only fastballs and like spitballs thrown versus I'd a guy that's... See, <laughs> I'd love to see Babe Ruth try to hit a Jose Alvarado cutter. Yeah, I'd also like to see Shohei Atani hit with a 46-ounce bat. That's what you had back then. So, so the fact that Babe Ruth hit 61 home runs or 60 home runs in an era where the next closest guy hit 18. Fine. Put a 34-ounce <laughs> like, bat a in big both. Difference. Put a 34-ounce bat in both their hands. Swinging we'll, a tree we'll trunk use, out there. Yeah, it's a we'll little bit different. We'll use the baseballs from this year. How many, <laughs> how many home runs does uh does and that's the other thing. Have? That's the other thing. That was a that was the yeah. dead ball era, right? I mean, in a sense, coming out of the dead ball era. But, I mean, really, the, the ball was a different – the ball flies now. Those ballparks were 440 feet to center field. I, I, now it's and, 399 in some parks. I mean, come on. You put a 34-ounce bat in Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani's hand, and you get the juiced-up balls that the MLB and Rob Manfred have made. Who's hitting more home runs in a season? Who's pitching? Grover Cleveland Alexander. <laughs> Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland Alexander. <laughs> so listen to this. I think this I was going to pull that one out of my ass, did you? That's the only one you can do. I can, I can, I can guarantee you, you can't give me anybody else from that. Natural Page. No, wrong, wrong era. Although he was in the Negro Leagues, maybe a little bit part of that era. But yeah, but by the time he got to the major leagues, he was not in that era. Um, this, uh, this guy who allegedly attacked Bob. Um, <laughs> no, this is interesting. Listen, <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. <clears throat> Looks like he was in an altercation last month or uh, two months ago, June. And he got charged. Let me see. Original offense, simple assault, purposely, knowingly causing bodily harm. It looked like he pled down to disorderly conduct. That um, says he's no longer allowed in the dead dog bar. Oh, the dog saloon. The Dude, dead dog getting, saloon. You know, no more napkins for my man. Yeah. Who was yeah, the victim? Lisa Fairfax? I think he's just targeting. Not, cannot bar. return. Cannot return to Dead Dog Bar. Yeah. Okay. So they just said Dead Dog Bar. Dude, in the that old lady that runs Dead Dog. She's eighty years old, but she's there till three in the morning. She does not play no fucking games. <laughs> Kev, you can't go in. This you is what I'm gonna with, like. Like you can't go in with like a shirt that like has a logo or anything. They'll make you buy one of their twenty five thirty dollar pol- uh, polos that you gotta wear. Do me a, do me a favor tonight when your daughter goes to sleep. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Wander over to the dead dog, dude. This is what I'm going to do. Are you napkins guy? Just, just wander over there. Ed, are you napkins? Well, I used to go. Let's just. We have family who uh, has a place down there, and for several summers, 
I used to go to Sea Isle, and Dude, Dead yeah. Dog was Dead Dog was definitely one of the places to. to it's the to. best. It's the best. Yeah. It's such an awesome. It's my favorite bar in Sea Isle. Get a Ben Elbow. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna pull uh, up to the. I've always wanted to do this. I'm gonna pull up to the bar. I'm gonna go up to the bartender and be like, "I'll have a martini and some information." <laughs> <laughs> What do you know about so and so? What do you know I, about this person? I'll I, have, I, have, I have a guy I went to high school with who, um, big big crossing broad guy, actually comments on a lot of our stories on there. Um, who put a comment out this morning and said, uh, "Well, I used to go to Seattle City. I was punched in the face fifty times. What, what the hell's the difference? What's the big deal?" Like, mm. you said, so. We're learning quite a lot about CI. I think I'm gonna uh, once I log off this, I'm gonna take a walk over to the police department, and then we're gonna check out the. Uh, the dead dog saloon see if yeah. i can get that information absolutely Maybe I'll, slip, I'll slip the bartender a fiver yeah we were that my, my my our uh our condo was right across from the spinnaker you know where the spinnaker is right right pagan on, you're on the nod 30 35th 35th in uh, landis <laughs> and i've been down there in forever i've not been to see iowa in so long I've, I've i'm a dirty old avalon guy right now one of my favorite things to do there would be to walk walk into that wawa after the bars let yeah. out yeah Holy hell, was yeah. that entertaining. Hey, Kev, talk about a Wawa that needs no shelves. Oh, my Degenerate, God. Degenerate city. Was, yeah. Not even yeah. not even because people were stealing shit, just because people would just sit around the hoagie ordering machine and someone would call a number out and you'd have to go. You have to waddle through 50 different people to go get your sandwich. <laughs> He's 100 percent correct. Oh, yeah. and, the, and the people ordering sandwiches at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. That's that Wawa. It's, it's some of my favorite memories of my twenties. Just coming out of Dead Dogs, throwing napkins. Like we were, we were OD guys in the beginning, and then we transferred over to Dead Dog. And Dead Dog yeah. is my favorite. Dead Dog, place. So much, so much better than Ocean Drive. Yeah, so much better than Ocean yeah. Drive. R.I.P. La Costa. Yeah, Springfield too. Also, right? They Maybe I'll go to the yeah. I'll go yeah. to the Ore ha- the Ore House later. Not the, yeah, I haven't not been the there. House, but the, yeah. I, I, the people house. say it's people say it's good. People say it's really good. I, I only sat in the back during COVID, so I've never been inside. But uh, I'm going to show up wearing wearing flip flops and be like, hey, can I get some? Uh, I'm looking for information here. Where the who the fuck are you and where are you from? Uh, Crossing Broad. You ever heard of Crossing Broad? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> if, dude, they get, if, they get, if, if they get real, if they get real nasty, can't you just say you're from walking the boards? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You know yeah. walking the boards is yet? Or Hi, that's I'm two Kyle, over. I'm Kyle Scott Laskowski. I'm looking for information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I, don't, I don't carry a press pass on me. I don't even have business cards or anything. Like I guess I could just log on to t- Twitter and show them that I yeah exist. Have the account. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll let right. you know how all that turns out. Yeah. Please. Anything do. else? People expect that Bob Kelly story today, I guess. Kev, you want to plug that? Yeah, I'll get it done. I'm hungry too. I got to go get some lunch and then maybe I'll get my information then. How, the how new, far are you from uh, the OD? You don't have to give your exact street, but a couple blocks. And then my parents rent Ooh. on uh, on uh, 45th now. Oh, our, family, our, our family used to have a house on 45th, not our family, but my grandparents did. And then they sold. 20 almost 20 years ago now at this yeah. point it's kind of you know what i have a quick observation about sea isle and about all the shore towns because they knocked down all the old like they're knocking down all the old school houses that actually had like character and personality you mm-hmm. saw you see these big cookie cutter like you know three-story johns that looked the same you know it's like there's not a lot of it's not a lot of personality down here it's anymore. it's a lot like the way philly's going like a Philly's doing the kind of same thing. You're getting the same big box apartments that are yeah. old, old warehouses. And if they're not old warehouse, they're building them into box. I mean, I 
live right off of Girard Ave. There's like three or four new ones. Uh, same with Spring Garden, and they all yeah. look the same. You can't even decipher which one is which and stuff. So I hear yeah. you on that one. They did yeah. they uh, not that CL's lost some of its charm, but you know it's hard to not see a tan duplex, like three story duplex with you know two garage doors, one on 105A, and then next door is 105B. So yeah, it's lost a little bit. You know what's funny is Avalon's actually like not that cookie cutter. It's like all different kind of houses. I have a lot of little old school. Yeah, Ocean City and Seattle just feel like you're like a lot of the same. You know, there's a lot of, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uniformity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there's not a lot of like our, our our place used to have like there's you know like just a two floor and there's a one floor next to it. And there's like actual grass for landscaping. Now you just pull in and there's stone and the people park in the front. I don't know. It's just kind of it's aesthetically boring. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, we'll, get, uh, we'll, get Inga, we'll get Inga Saffron on the show to talk about it. Yeah. Hey, buildings matter too. So, and you got anything else before we go? I think Trey's about to come back up. I have to get uh to get to start watching. Yeah, I wouldn't put this episode out for the uh, you know for uh, posterity uh, for no. the future. I thought this was a good it. one. This was one of I think we've had two great shows this week. <laughs> I feel like we're just finding our groove now. No, I'm just saying with with you know with the, the things that pagan saying on the show today jackson pollock yeah the jackson pollock and famous yeah. painter from guys are so soft you're gonna need a lot more to cancel me jackson pollock i saw him in port richmond he was ordering kielbasa the other day <laughs> and that's uh, the show that's shout out to jackson best. pollock whether you're alive or not love you <laughs> I'm gonna go look. I'm gonna go get a shirt with Jackson Pollock or something. Like you gotta that. watch the movie, man. You gotta watch the movie. All right, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do a deep. It's actually his last Pollock. name, just so you know. The name of the movie is his last name. Poll. And how do you say it? Pollock. Pollock. Nah. Ed Harris played Jackson nah. Pollock. It's really good. All right, we'll see. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go do some research on Jackson Pollock. Pat. Pa- <laughs> All right. I'll see you later. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>